BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank. Be bold. Venture wisely. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. When you look at Oakland today, you'll find hardcore activists, artists, and the people who've defined the city's identity living right next to the rich and the powerful. It's a complicated place, and it's changed really fast. And a lot of that has to do with what happened from 1999 to 2007, when a former governor and presidential candidate named Jerry Brown made his political comeback by becoming the mayor of Oakland. In Jerry Brown's Oakland, crime rates went down and development went up, and voters elected him twice by huge margins. But even at that time, some residents worried about how his policies would affect them. She said to me, Mayor, why are you driving the blacks out of Oakland? I said, well, you're you're raising all the rents. And she, I think, felt I was raising the rents. Today, we'll talk about Jerry Brown's legacy as the mayor of Oakland and how he shaped the city as we know it now. I'm Devin Kadiyama. Welcome to the Bay. So I would say the story of Jerry Brown in Oakland starts the same as many Jerry Brown stories. He's always looking for a new office to run for. Guy Marzorati is a politics reporter for KQED, and he's part of the team behind a new podcast called The Political Mind of Jerry Brown. It's an eight-part series hosted by Scott Schaefer that dropped just this last weekend. So this is in the early 90s. He had just lost the presidential campaign uh, to Bill Clinton. He's looking for the next job and the next way to get back in the game. So he moves to Oakland. Live from Oakland, California, it's We the People with Jerry Brown. He starts this radio show. Welcome to another edition of We the People. This is a radio program dedicated to exposing the follies of the political class, that privileged and arrogant group that runs our country like a private club. And he sets up shop in Oakland and starts putting out feelers, doesn't know what office he's going to run for, but ultimately decides he's going to run for mayor. And at that point, this is a guy who'd spent eight years as the governor of California. He'd already run for president three times. He's run for the Senate. He'd had a long political career before he ever stepped foot in Oakland. Do you know what was going on in Oakland at that time when when Jerry Brown came and decided to, to run for mayor? I mean, I would say Oakland, like many cities in the 80s and 90s, was, you could maybe say, down on its luck. When you look at downtown Oakland, never really recovered from the 89 earthquake. Um, And there really was a hole in terms of business and development downtown that existed before Jerry Brown got there. And also, I feel like it's a city that's been not only down on its luck, but neglected and and hurt by a lot of the policies that lawmakers have passed. Right. And one of the big things in the years leading up to this 98 mayoral campaign was the Raiders. Raiders will play in Oakland this Saturday for the first time since agreeing to come back. 
after 13 years in Los Angeles. It's an exhibition. The Raiders had been lured back uh, to Oakland by a big deal at the Coliseum when it turned out that this was not going to really be in the interest of a lot of voters, the money that was going to go into the Coliseum. Um, and I think that kind of symbolized the priorities that Oakland politicians had put above of actually rebuilding the city and something that Brown was able to capitalize on. National attention is focused on the race for mayor. A lot of that attention is being generated by the celebrity candidate, former Governor Jerry Brown. So in 1998, he was up against 10 candidates, and previous mayors up until that point had been black for years. Brown appears poised to take over an office that has been held by African Americans for almost 20 years. Obviously, Brown is this white guy. So why did his message resonate with, with people in Oakland at the time? The way he puts it is it had a lot to do with name ID. This was something that if you were a voter in Oakland, you probably had seen Jerry Brown on a ballot a few times before this. I felt confident that unknown African-American candidates didn't have much of a chance because you can't beat somebody with nobody. People knew who he was. He comes from a historic family in democratic politics. And as we know, Oakland is a democratic city. You know, in politics, a lot of times, if you see someone that you know, that may be all the difference it makes to vote for that person. That's why you vote, yeah. Jerry Brown won the 1998 mayor's race, and he won it really big. He beat his closest opponent by more than 40 percentage points. And he used his popularity immediately to make sure that he could govern his way. So before he was inaugurated, he put forward this ballot measure to make Oakland's mayor a strong mayor, which really gave him control over departments and made him something more than just another voice on the city council. As he put it, he didn't want to have to sit in public comment. I don't want to sit there five or six hours. It's not my thing. Just sitting there looking, listening. No, I didn't want to do that. Critics would say, that's your job as a public that's official. It's democracy. It's yeah. a democracy. You're going to have to hear from residents. This is how you do it. He felt like the way I'll hear from residents is by walking around the city and interacting with them on my own time. I don't need to you know, show up at city council every Tuesday. Brown likes to tell stories about his on-the-ground, face-to-face interactions during his time as mayor. For example, he'd get coffee with someone and try to convince them to let construction go up near their home. Or he'd go to a government office to push a permit through. And he used this approach to accomplish his biggest priorities as mayor. Jerry Brown ran on three big promises. Fix up Oakland schools, reduce crime, and spur more development, bring more people downtown. Those are all three issues that still exist in Oakland today. There are still issues with the schools. Obviously, OPD has been in scandals years before, years since. And development and the ramifications of development, i.e. gentrification, is still a debate going on in Oakland today. Okay, so let's talk about these three main issues, starting with schools. What did Mayor Jerry Brown do for schools? His first solution was, I'm going to take more control over how the district is run. Usually the mayor, there's some separation in how the mayor and the school district work. He felt like, I got to get my hands around this by getting more hands on. So he put forward another ballot measure, got it approved to be able to appoint three members to the Board of Education. No other mayor in California had that power at that time. But this was a political miscalculation because three members still didn't give him a majority. So Mm. he wasn't really able to make that much difference at the board. It was still kind of the Jerry Brown faction on the school board versus the non-Jerry Brown faction. So after that didn't work, he felt like, okay, forget this, forget the school district. I'm going to create my own school. So he created the Oakland Military Institute and the School for the Arts. And then he really focused his energies on his own two charter schools. We're going to give them the best. Uh, They're going to have field trips to Stanford, uh, to University of California, 
to the museum, to the ballet, to the symphony, to the high-tech companies. These are going to be the most privileged children in Oakland. And so did charter schools exist at the time, or did they start to exist under Jerry Brown? Charter schools had already existed, but I think it's so rare for a mayor, a sitting mayor, to almost bypass what the district is doing because there is so much tension, and still is, between the school district and charter schools. And basically to abandon any initiatives he had going with the district and say, I'm going to focus my energy on my schools. I believe that if 10% of the students of Oakland move out into excellent charter schools, that that pressure, that loss of $5,000 a kid will create a wake-up call that will enable the superintendent and the board finally to come together and work through the incredible Byzantine set of rules and regulations and relationships that have made it dysfunctional for over two decades. The percentage of Oakland students in charter schools now is way higher than 10%. It's actually more than 25%, which is higher than any other big school district in California. And today, charter schools are still really controversial in Oakland and across the country. They're one reason Oakland teachers went on strike last year. And it's hard to say if charters are performing any better than traditional public schools. The second big priority that Jerry Brown had as mayor was reduce crime in the city. That was something I wanted to have less crime. When you have four times the crime rate of most major cities, What was his idea to do that? Well, I think it really stemmed from what we saw in a lot of American cities in the 90s was get more crime data and also get more kind of tougher policing. You know, he in our interviews, he mentioned admiring the work that William Bratton was doing in New York City. And I think that was very controversial. We can get Mm -hmm. the whole stop and frisk history there. But he was definitely a supporter of the Oakland Police Department and felt like, as he described it, this is a war. It's a war. I mean, the the, the cops are under... Under, they're, they're being shot at. So Jerry Brown, as he was mayor, he was living right in the city with no security detail. He was walking around, and as he puts it, like, I would rather be more safe than less safe. And I think that went into how he governed and especially how he governed around public safety. I mean, he was riding around with cops on ride-alongs. He would hold these town halls where he would talk to people and try to figure out what they wanted to see. And as he put it, a lot of people would say, we want more police. We want more safety. There's too much crime. So we got both messages. We need more police protection. And by the way, the police are harassing African-American men. And while Brown acknowledges that he heard from both sides, it's definitely clear where his sympathies lay, which was with the Oakland Police Department and the aggressive work that they were doing to cut down crime. The kinds of cases that were brought to us time after time after time about excess force It's horrifying. While crime was going down, there were still a lot of people, even at the time, who were critical of how the Oakland Police Department was operating. I talked to former councilwoman Nancy Nadell. And it wasn't just a handful of uh, officers. It was a handful of officers that got caught. And she brings up one of the biggest scandals that happened under Brown's watch in 2000, which was the Ryder scandal. The recent incident of four rogue cops known as the Riders, who allegedly assaulted citizens and planted evidence, further inflamed a volatile situation. So these were Oakland police officers who were indicted for beating up civilians, planting evidence, falsifying police reports. Um, And what critics of Brown have said was, look, these weren't just a few rogue police officers who went off and did their own thing. This was a culture that was established where the ends justified the means and the riders were just the ones who got caught. 
Well, when you look at the Oakland Police Department now, people are still up in arms about the, the infractions that are happening and the, and the problems within the department. It does not have a good reputation. So you mentioned you mentioned some of the numbers are down, but, but there's still like systemic problems in the department. Right. And I think he might say, I didn't promise to fix the systemic problems in the department. I promised to bring crime down and crime went down when he was mayor. There's no doubt about that. I think in subsequent years, you've had mayors who realize politically they have to voice the concerns of Oakland residents with the Oakland Police Department. You've seen that with Libby Schaaf. I mean, she's not afraid to take on the department and really call it out for systemic cultural issues in a way that Jerry Brown never did. When you see how hard the work is of law enforcement officers, how they put their lives on the line, how dangerous it is, you can become insensitive to just how destructive uh, that bad culture and those few bad apples that can infect a whole lot more apples can be. The third and possibly biggest priority of Jerry Brown as mayor was housing and developing downtown. And the way Jerry Brown phrased this plan to bring in development was 10K, bringing 10,000 new people to downtown Oakland. Brown's goal is to lure 10,000 new residents to downtown to attract new businesses. He said there was kind of an arbitrary nature to it, but he wanted a big goal of getting people downtown. And the way he was going to do that was build housing, specifically, as he puts it, market rate housing. So how did Jerry Brown think he was going to attract all this money and all these people to Oakland? Well, I think part of it was just wielding his personality. We would try to get meetings with the real decision makers who invest in Oakland. And we'd have the mayor with us. We'd have the head of economic development. We'd have the city manager. Forget it. You could not get a meeting. Now you have Jerry Brown. They all want to meet Jerry Brown. I should point out that a lot of development has nothing to do with who's in office. This was while the tech boom was happening and people and jobs were coming into the Bay Area. And there was just more money around in the region and more people that who could afford market rate housing that has nothing to do with who's mayor. But I think it, it fed into Jerry Brown's plan and that he was really laser focused on development. There weren't, you know, part of it is having such few priorities, having these real three priorities allowed him to really dig in and say, like, all my effort is going to go into making this development happen. So where did affordable housing fit into his picture? I don't think it fit into his picture, quite frankly. That's I so think, crazy to think about how it can't fit into the picture. But now it's all we talk about. And I think that really shows how much Oakland has changed politically uh, since Jerry Brown has left. But even when Jerry Brown was mayor, there were still people pushing him and saying, why aren't you doing more to set aside units for affordable housing? If you're bringing the money in, why not make sure that with each development, there are units set aside that are affordable? Critics say there's still not enough affordable housing and money should be spent on the neighborhoods. In fact, as mayor, he blocked a measure that would have done inclusionary housing in Oakland, basically setting aside those affordable units. What was his answer to that question? I think he put it in really black and white terms, like you can either be for affordable housing or you can be for market rate housing. If you have only affordable housing and people barely can make it living on Section 8 housing and checks from government or something, well, then you're not going to get any stores. It's not going to happen. So that's the reason why market rate housing was so important. Now, critics would say you can do both and a mayor should strive to do both. But that's not how Jerry Brown saw it. I mean, he tells the story of running into a woman coming off a plane and she said, why are you throwing all the black people out of Oakland? And he said, I'm not doing that as if like I'm not personally doing that, which 
yes, true, the mayor is not personally evicting people or gentrifying the city. But I think he didn't didn't connect or didn't feel like it was his job to connect the larger structural changes that were happening because of his insistence, or maybe in part because of his insistence on market rate housing, um, with the fact that these changes were happening for longtime Oakland residents. If you were to walk around Oakland today, where can you see the most visible results of Jerry Brown's policies while he was mayor of Oakland? You got to go uptown. I mean, look at the uptown development, both in housing and the Fox Theater. The Fox Theater was something that Brown saw as a priority, kind of the crown jewel of uptown. Um, And he used redevelopment money to get that done. And it's a beautiful, it had been a beautiful theater for years that was revitalized in his tenure. And that's the area where you can most see the Oakland that Jerry Brown wanted, which, as he put it, was an Oakland that would be more like Paris or New York City. If Oakland could only be Paris. It sounds like when you talk to Jerry Brown, he felt like he was a successful mayor of Oakland. Absolutely. I mean, I think in an alternate world, we could have titled this episode unapologetic. Um, we, didn't, we didn't want any trouble with Rihanna, so we called it direct action. But I think he, he looks back on his tenure, unlike you know some of his, his issues that came up in the governor's office, where he has reflected and said, maybe I should have done this differently. That's not the case in Oakland. And the ultimate conclusion that he arrives on, and this is a very political mind uh, conclusion, is that I was very popular. The fact is the overwhelming majority by a huge amount, liked what I was doing and continue to like it. So you may not like what I did, and there may be criticism of what I did, but the Oakland voters liked what I did, and he can back that up with two huge electoral victories. It doesn't sound like Jerry Brown's Oakland's the same one today, at least politically speaking. Um, I almost feel like if he ran today, he his message would not resonate with people. He, w- he wouldn't win talking like this, that's <laughs> at, for sure. But at the same time, Libby Schaff worked very closely with Brown, and now she's mayor, and she's been elected Right. Twice. But I think just look at the the way in which, and yes, we should say Jerry Brown is no longer in public office. I think he might be speaking with more freedom than he would if he was running uh, currently. But just in the way that Libby Schaff, who shares a lot of policy ideas with Governor Brown, I mean, Libby Schaff has been for more development. But if you look at the way they talk about issues, whether that's gentrification or issues with the OPD are very different. And I think it's an, it's upon every politician in Oakland nowadays to really give voice to those issues, because I don't think you can be successful uh, electorally without doing that. Your episode on, on Oakland, what do you think their reaction is going to be when we when they hear about the three main priorities, education, policing and housing and development. And when they look at Oakland today, what do you think the reactions are going to be from people? I think people might hear the way that he talks about those issues as being maybe crass or maybe out of touch with the way we talk about issues like that in Oakland today. But I think going back to the way he ran, he made real concrete promises and delivered on them. And he, he governed in a way that was controversial and still is controversial. But he did enact what he promised to do while he ran. And that's how he concludes it is really in a political fashion, like can't blame me because I was really transparent about what I wanted to accomplish. And I went ahead and did it. Jerry Brown, of course, left Oakland and went back to Sacramento first as attorney general and then again as governor. All right. So now today's leaders in California, the lawmakers, including people who worked for Brown, have to address a whole new set of big problems building on top of each other. Everything from affordable housing to income inequality 
to companies that are more wealthy than cities. Makes you kind of wish there were politicians who could snap their fingers and get big stuff done. Subscribe to The Political Mind of Jerry Brown wherever you get this show. You can also hit the link in our show notes and it'll take you to all the places where you can subscribe to. This episode was produced by Marisol Medina Cadena and editor Alan Monticilio. Thanks to Guy Marzarati for being our guest. And a shout out to Scott Schaefer and everyone at KQED, along with UC Berkeley's Oral History Center at the Bancroft Library, who helped interview Jerry Brown for more than 40 hours. KQED's leadership team includes Julie Kane, Vinnie Tong, Ethan Lindsay, and Holly Kernan. I'm Devin Kadayama. That's it for the Bay. We'll talk to you Wednesday. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S. 